Welcome back to The Uncomfortable Truth. This is Alan Weiss, and today I want to talk to you about your living legacy. That is, who you are and who you're going to be. And for example, a lot of us in life seize and freeze. That is, we seize upon something that works for us, but then it's frozen in time forever, and we never examine it or let it go. For example, in business, a great many people listening right now have defaulted to training. It's always a training issue. It's a training solution. It was a training problem. And if that's what we believe and never let it go, then our result will always be training when it's not even appropriate. For a long time, personally, I believed in the death penalty until I examined my belief system and said, I really don't believe in putting people to death. I'm wrong about this. I'm changing my mind. Your own belief is your own business, but that's mine. And I decided I wouldn't just be frozen in an old belief. People believe in the Loch Ness Monster because they choose to, and then they act that way. They go looking for it. They buy equipment to hunt for it, even though every picture taken of it is proved to be a fake. But they've seized that, and they've frozen it. They want to believe it's true, and the same occurs in our lives. George Bernard Shaw said once, if you can't change your mind, you can't change anything. And so the first order of business is to try to change our minds. Are you using pre-pandemic procedures today? Do you have a pre-pandemic view of life? In that case, you're frozen. No pre-pandemic strategy in business or life is going to be successful post-pandemic. To punish me, said Einstein, for my contempt of authority, fate has made me an authority myself. That's great introspection, isn't it? I think there was a magazine once, the Whole Earth Catalog or something like that, that said, look, we are as gods and we might as well get good at it. What I'm suggesting to you is, if you want to be an expert, be perceived as an expert, then act like an expert. Understand the impression you create and stop backing off. Intellectual curiosity and openness are the keys, not solutions and not conclusions. We have to be open to new questions and new views. So are you questioning the world around you, or are you just trying to cope with it? That's what I want to question you about. Because life is a movie, not a snapshot. Today is not tomorrow. You know, once upon a time, they believed the earth was flat, and they acted accordingly. Nobody's going to sail off the edge. In the 16th century, up until the 16th century, everyone believed in an afterlife. From royalty to merchants to peasants, everyone believed in an afterlife, and consequently, with about a 30-year lifespan, which was generally, for most people, horrible, filled with illness and accident and oppression, they put up with corrupt clergy. They paid for indulgences because they knew the afterlife, which was eternal, would be a completely different and wonderful place. And so they acted that way in the real world. I remind you that amidst all the predictions, many of which came true, like breakthroughs in medicine and technology and communication, and many of which didn't, like flying cars and holographic presence, although that might come true. No one, not one person, no one, including Al Gore, predicted the internet, and it has changed the world. So we're not here to please people, but to provoke people. We don't want to be friendly and polite and courteous, otherwise known as Canadian, all the time. Okay, I apologize, come on. But when you avoid conflict, you avoid learning. That's why I talked about Canadians. You know why the Swiss weren't vaccinated rapidly in this pandemic? I talked to a lot of people in Switzerland. It's because there's one political party, basically, one power source, and they're not challenged. There's no opposing party of any substance really giving them grief. And so vaccination was something they eventually got to. And a lot of people got sick and died who needn't have. 
And so you have to provoke, not just please. You gain by utilizing your greatest strengths, not by shoring up your greatest weaknesses. I've said that over and over. People succeed by building on their strengths. When I was fired, I realized I could write well and speak well. So I wrote and spoke, wrote and spoke. I still do that today. I'm a lousy networker. I don't really want to hear about your vacation, so I didn't try to network. Great people have great flaws. The idea is to focus on the great strengths and not the flaws. So the question really for you is where does the emphasis lie? You have to focus on evidence and observed behavior. In your life, in your own life, when you consider feedback, when you try to be introspective about your own behaviors and actions, what are you really seeing and what's valid? There's a, a great uh, quote from Adam Grant, who writes very good books. He wrote the originals and he wrote, think again, most recently. He said, you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make it think. And so there are places we can go, but it's not good enough being there. We have to question why we're there. We have to embrace diversity of thought. We shouldn't, uh, kneel, you know, we tend to identify with groups and disidentify with other groups. And that's why we have such polarization. It was a psychological experiment where they took uh, veteran Dunkin' Donuts customers who only drank coffee from Dunkin' Donuts and paid for their coffee for an entire month at Starbucks. And they took the 100 people from Starbucks who only patronized Starbucks and bought them coffee for a month solid in Dunkin' Donuts. They wanted to see how many people from each tribe defected of the 100. At the end of the month's trial, no one defected. All 100 stayed where they were. And the people from Dunkin' said, my God, it was like invading someone's living room. And all those choices, five different kinds of milk, what is that about? And the people from Starbucks said, Formica tables? They didn't have soy? And so we have these tribes who are insulated against each other, which is why I talk about community and not tribes. We have to embrace diversity. We have to get out of our own comfort zones and out of, out of our own comfort colleagues. Psychological safety is not about, you know, relaxing standards or being super nice to others. Psychological safety is about establishing trust and respect and creating a learning culture for yourself and other people, meaning you're comfortable learning, you share your vulnerabilities, you're open to suggestion, you're not afraid to talk about your failures. Now let me introduce something to you here that might be revolutionary or might be the 1% solution. You know, if you improve by 1% a day, in 70 days you're twice as good for some of you. And that is, it's the concept of better practices. Not best practices, but better practices. And what I found is when people look for best practices, they figure that best practice is the be-all and end-all and time stops. So you're in a snapshot again, not a movie. But my point is you always want better practices. You might think you're best now, but there's something better coming. That's how we evolve. That's how we migrate. That's how we create. And so maybe you should stop thinking in terms of your legacy, in terms of achieving best practices, but always looking for better practices. Best, my friends, is ephemeral. And so avoid what's called the escalation of commitment, meaning don't double down on losing bets. Change your life. Just because you've had a technology or a methodology or an approach or a philosophy or intellectual property that has worked doesn't mean it always will. It doesn't mean it always should. and doesn't mean it's even good for you. I was coaching a woman who had hit it pretty good with a piece of intellectual property. She wrote a book. It was published. People were hiring her, and she asked me what she should do next with it. And I said, move on to another piece of IP, and she was furious. And that was it. She, had, she disappeared, never talked to me again, two years ago. But today, she's in the same rut. So identity today, in terms of legacy, is a buzzword. Avoid what Adam Grant calls identity foreclosure meaning that you're somehow completed, 
this is who I am, and this is who I will be. That's the snapshot again. So the answer, the, que- the answer to the question, what do you want to be when you grow up, is not this or that or something else, because we're all growing. What does growing up mean? We're all constantly growing, or we should be, or we're stuck in the snapshot. So the real question, my friends, is this. Who do you want to be? Not what do you want to be doing, but whom do you want to be? No, that's my, who do you want to be would be grammatically correct. And ask yourself that question. Who do you want to be and what progress are you making? It's a tough question. And that's the uncomfortable truth.